morning, everybody. It's morning today on our podcast on this um, doom and gloom Friday. I'm looking out my window and thinking, is it is it October? Is it is it February? But no, it's it's literally nearly June and it's still miserable as sin. But the good news is we're going to cheer you up talking to you all today about a very interesting subject, which is IR35. It may not sound interesting, but we have a very special guest who's going to make it very interesting. And I know it's a subject close to so many of our nurses and AHP's hearts. So we're hoping to demystify this, make things a bit clearer and actually ask the questions from the person that knows it well. So before I introduce our special guest, I'm going to say good morning to the lovely Bill Keys and the lovely Gail. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning. Good morning. So I presume in Birmingham, it's just as miserable as it is down here in Romford. It, yes, it's, it's, it's very dark. It is throwing down with rain at the moment. I think I might have to put all my lights on shortly because you won't be able to see me otherwise. Yeah, cold, miserable, not good, not good for me. No. Just not nice at all. No. No, it's awful, isn't it? And I'd like to say good morning to Paul Johnson, who is our finance manager here at Medics Pro. Good morning, Paul. Oh, hi, Marianne. How are you? Very, very formal, even though we're literally sat in offices next door to each other. I'm very well, thank you. And thank you so much for agreeing to, to, to talk to us today. So the reason that we have asked you to, to come and talk to us is that there's been, I believe, a, a big change with IR35 that came in in April of this year. And we get a huge amount of concerns, questions around this particular subject from a lot of the people that work for us. So are you able to explain, first of all, what is IR35 and does it apply to everybody that works for us? You know, I, I, I don't know. So if you could just start literally from the beginning. So for those people that are listening that don't understand anything about it and thinking this doesn't apply to me, I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, if you could just start at the beginning, that would be lovely. Yeah, of course. No problem. So IR35 it has actually been around for a while. So it came into effect actually back in 2017 in right. the public sector. So obviously any workers that work through the NHS are probably already aware of IFO. But it was in April of this year, it was actually supposed to be April last year, but because of the pandemic, the government decided to put it back a year. So it was April of this year that it was actually rolled out to the private sector. So obviously potentially any locums working uh, through the private sector from 6th of April this year and obviously going forward would potentially be affected by the changes that have, that have come into play. So it's it's around tax. So the reason the government have introduced the IFO5 legislation mm-hmm. is basically they were under the belief that people, not just locums, just generally speaking, people were um, avoiding tax or not paying the correct amount of tax each year. So in order to try and minimise the amount of revenue lost for the government, they've introduced this legislation to capture tax almost like on a pay-as-you-earn basis. So as a normal sort of full-time employee who works as a pay-as-you-earn employee, they pay tax sort of every week or every month as they get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has now been introduced to someone with their own personal service company. So any limited locums that work for their own uh, limited company 
uh, rather than paying tax at the end of the tax year, they are now paying tax. So they're being taxed at source. That's basically the terminology behind it. As they as they work each week or each month, they're being taxed straight away. In terms of our workforce, does it apply to many of them, that many of the agency um, locums that we have working for us? Yeah, so it would affect any locum who's works in the in the in the private sector mm-hmm. uh, and has worked through their own personal service company. If you if you if you worked as a PAYE contractor mm-hmm. before um, April twenty one, mm-hmm. and you continue to work as a PAYE contractor, then in effect there's there's no there's no real change to okay. set up. It, it's really only if you work as for your own limited company. Where you'll start seeing that your your take home pay, so basically the pay that you that you bring home, will be dropping because the tax is being done by our internal payroll system. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you'll start seeing is when you receive your payslip, the tax and the NI will will be deducted from you um, each sort of timesheet or, or each shift that you work. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of umbrella companies, yes. um, sort of, can, how, can people work for any umbrella company? How, how does that work? And in terms of working for Medics Pro, do we have sort of rules or regulations about different umbrella companies? Yeah, so we have a what's called an approved supplier list of umbrellas. So, okay. we have our own internal compliance procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereby we review each individual umbrella company yeah. and we ask them and we do certain checks on them and, and we ask them to provide us with certain information. And if they comply with obviously the regulations and, and the information that we've provided and, and they could be maybe an APSCO or a professional passport accredited umbrella company, yeah. then 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 we would work with them. So, so we, we do have restrictions to umbrella companies yes but that's just to sort of protect ourselves so that we are happy that uh, and we make the correct you know choices for the umbrella companies that we work with right okay so the the reason that we've got the list of preferred umbrella companies is is not only to protect us as a business but obviously to protect the individuals that that work exactly. under them is that correct yes. okay yeah. so so what happens then if we and i know this has happened so this is a, a you know a real life example when we have got a nurse that wants to work under an umbrella company for instance that's not on our preferred supplier list they've been with them for quite some time you know what are their options you know what 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 are we saying to them if it is something that we don't want to be using well Obviously, we would provide them with a list of the umbrella companies that we work with, and we would say to them, you know, you you can choose from any of these umbrellas. These are the umbrellas that we have done our own internal checks with, and we know are compliant mm-hmm. and are making the correct tax and NI deductions. And you know, not only like you said earlier, it's not only safeguarding us; it's also safeguarding the locum, so that yeah. the locum doesn't get a large tax bill in. Mm-hmm. A year's time or in two years' time further down the line mm-hmm. when they find out that actually the umbrella company they're working with through aren't making the correct amount of tax or NI deductions and therefore and have, have they, they still that? owe money from yeah, Yes, we, yes, we have. We've, we've, yeah. had, we've had locals being contacted by revenue with letters warning them saying we are aware that you have underpaid tax for 
could be, I don't know, two years ago, could be three years ago. Yeah. You know, HMRC, typically HMRC, yeah. they, they, they don't find things straight away. But, but it takes because, time. It does take time, but they're, they're generally fairly slow in, in, in their procedures, but they do get there in the end. Usually. And when you get that letter, you know, yeah, it's just exactly. you think potentially not that you've got away with it, but as in, you know, you don't yeah, think that there's an issue, right. but it does it, take it, time. Right, definitely, uh, yes. What's the sort of, have you heard of sort of the worst horror story that we've had potentially so far where people have owed a huge amount of money? Have you heard anything, you know, from yeah. that? If something seems too good to be true, the 99% of the time it is. It you is, know, if, yeah. if, if you're if you're earning X amount of money and, and your tax and NI deductions seem small, then then that raises a, a red flag straight away. You know, most people know what tax roughly they should be paying each time. And if each time they work and and if if the tax and, and the deductions seem low, then, you know, you've got to start thinking to yourself, maybe maybe something's not right quite right here. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously... This came in in April, okay, and I presume there was a little bit of, you know, jostling around with with people that were potentially, you know, using companies that they, they couldn't, in terms of has it sort of settled with, with candidates sort of being more knowledgeable and sort of understanding it more now? Because I think it was an issue around sort yeah. of April time. So, so basically, the onus has now been put on the client. So okay. any hospital or, or, or private clinic or anything like that, the onus is on them to make the decision as to the role. So it's all around the specification, specifications of the role. So what they do is they look at the role and how things like control and direction and, you know, other factors in terms of substitutions and things like that. So what, what they're trying to determine is whether a local is employed or self-employed for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. So so they use these various, well, HMRC have actually rolled out a, it's called a CES tool, but it's, it's basically a process of answering questions and whereby at the end you come to a determination. Mm-hmm. So whether the locum is inside or outside I-35. So what that yeah. means is if they're inside I-35, they're deemed as being employed for tax purposes. But if they're outside I-35, they're deemed as being self-employed for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. So if you're inside I-35, then in effect, mm-hmm. you're being treated as a PAYE candidate. But if you're outside I-35, then you're self-employed. Therefore, um, you wouldn't be taxed at source. You would just be taxed as you have been previously. You would pay your tax at the end of the offenders as financial tax year. Yeah. Okay. Ladies, so, yeah, it's, it's it is a big minefield. I mean, do you do you feel as a, as financial manager of of the company that you know things have, have started settling and the yeah, you know, yeah I mean obviously it was a new thing that's that's just come into play. Obviously, it was supposed to come in last year, but it was deferred by a year. So each candidate working private setting should have had mm-hmm. some communication with that with their um, client as to mm-hmm. whether their role has been deemed inside or outside because it's the client's responsibility once they've made the determination to inform the supply chain. So basically they yeah. would us as a recruitment agent and they would inform the locum as, as a worker yeah. as to whether that role that they are performing is inside or outside. And, and obviously mm-hmm. once 
everyone is aware. Yeah. The process of how taxes is dealt with, like I said before, is either being done by our internal payroll system and enrolled is deemed just inside I-35 or if it's not inside, mm-hmm. then the local should also be made aware that they would be employed as a self-employed contractor. Right, okay. Have you seen more people move to PAYE since this? Not a massive amount, to be honest. It's, I think because we were contacting our clients fairly early before the 6th of April to find out how they were determining roles and trying to be sort of proactive rather than reactive so that status determinations were then rolled out and we were chasing clients by our business development team were very hot on this, chasing clients, getting them to inform us so that we could then inform our contractors. So in terms of how the market has changed, mm-hmm. we haven't seen a, a, a massive, massive change in compared to 2017. I, I think when that came into play, mm-hmm. obviously it affected the majority of our client bases NHS. Mm-hmm. So, it, so obviously back then, there, there was a bigger impact, but this mm-hmm. time around, also maybe because it was deferred by a year, it might have helped. I was going to say, well. yeah, absolutely, because I think people were preparing for it and getting ready, and then obviously, then it was deferred. So, it yes, it it probably didn't yeah. seem such a, a a massive shock or change because people knew that it should have almost come in a year earlier anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ladies. Gail, Bill Keys, have you got any questions for Paul at all? Uh, yes. Um, thank you, Paul, for your explanation about IR35. I do have a question. I've had nurses who before had their own limited company and they were claiming for their expenses. How does that work with IR35? Is there any change in that at all? No, not really. Not for expenses. And reason being is that expenses generally aren't taxable. So with regards to expenses like mileage claims, for example, or travel, you would always claim and not be taxed on on those anyway. So there shouldn't be any change with regards to expenses whatsoever. They should be continued, obviously, if they've been um, completed and signed off as, as, as normal, then they should be paid as normal as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. And there's no extra cost to join umbrella companies or... Uh, is there a is there a fixed fee for every for every yeah, time so, fee? Do you know yeah, how that works? So different umbrella companies would have obviously different costs in structures. So there would be a a small fee. So obviously the umbrella company isn't going to work for free. So they the, the basically the the benefit of working for an umbrella company is that you you can you have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to work at multiple locations and have the ability to be able to use the one tax code each time you work because you're basically deemed as an employee of the umbrella company. Whereas if you work as a PAYE candidate and you work at multiple locations, you may have to have different tax codes for each place that you work through. So that could negatively affect you, your cash because of the fact that the main place that you work at, they will take your basic tax code um, and you'll get your personal allowance. But every other place that you work through, you wouldn't be entitled to your personal allowance. So basically, you'll be taxed at 20% on all of the work that you and all of the money that you make. 
you'll be taxed at 20% because you can't use this, the same tax code in each location, fortunately. Can I just ask, Paul, if, if somebody's joining us as an agency and they haven't worked agency before and they decided that they want to go through an umbrella company, are we able to sort of recommend any one company more than the other or do we just give them a list? Because it, for some people, it must be a complete minefield to sort of starting out. Yeah, exactly. So as long as they select an umbrella company that's on our list, there won't mm -hmm. be any, there shouldn't be any issues at mm -hmm. all. Because obviously, we've, we're happy with this umbrella in terms of their compliance mm -hmm. and in terms of their accreditations. Do we need to be seen so, as being impartial though so we can't, yes. you know, I mean, I'm sure yeah, in, in with your experience, some may be more favourable than others, but I presume that we can't give that advice. It has to be that that the the locum does their own sort of homework to get that done. Is that exactly. correct? Yeah, yeah that, that is correct. Yeah, no, we we can't really be sort of be biased and 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 say which umbrella to use because it's not. Plus, if there's an issue with that umbrella, I'm not saying that there would mm -hmm. be, but if there is, then obviously it would look bad on us. So we are we should remain as an impartial party. Um, yeah. In in the sort of supply chain, yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anything else from you ladies at all? Can I jump in with a question? The When we have clinical staff join the agency, who do they normally receive that preferred supplier list of umbrella companies from? And when people have asked me what they should do about regarding umbrella companies, I always try to advise them and and because I didn't know anything about IR35 properly until you explained it this morning. But I always try and ask them to talk to colleagues or other agency nurses to get personal recommendations and mm -hmm. just to see what experiences other people have had with various umbrella companies but who do they get that initial information from regarding the umbrella companies when they first join us okay yes yeah, so when they first join us obviously they don't have to work for an umbrella company the choices they have is they can either go paye so pay as you earn you can either go through your own personal service company as a limited company, or you could go through one of our preferred umbrellas, or or you could even go as, as self-employed, depending on the circumstances. So with regards to the umbrella companies, if they were to speak to their consultant, all of our consultants are aware of what the approved or preferred supplier list of umbrellas is, and they can provide them with that. And in terms of how the locum would decide, all, all I would say is that maybe do some research into each one, maybe find out a little bit more around costs of each umbrella company and probably look on their website. And and like you said, speak speak to different people or different, maybe a colleague or, or something like that to to see who, who maybe they would work with and, and, and what good experiences, maybe even look online for something like Trustpilot where mm -hmm. you would have Maybe someone's posted some reviews and some information about an, a, a different umbrella company. So mm -hmm. maybe something like that would, would help. Fabulous. Great. Yeah. 
Um, well, it's it's definitely made things a lot clearer. I'm glad to hear that things, as you said, are just slightly sort of a lot calmer and a lot more. I think there was a concern, which is obviously why we wanted to have this podcast, because I think during April, there were lots of different questions raised. If, if anyone listening today wants to contact somebody in our finance department here at Medics Pro, are they able to do that? Is Are there people here that can take their call and just sort of talk to them individually? Yeah, of course. I mean, Obviously, the consultant is normally their first port of call and, and the consultants, all the consultants are aware of the R35 and they're all aware of the umbrella companies that are on our preferred supply list. But obviously, if there's anything that's a bit more technical, then of course, uh, happy to, to speak to anyone or email or, or anything like that, of course. Okay. No, no problems but at all. So obviously, just straight to go to their consultant, first port of call, I would say and if they need to signpost them, then they will transfer them to somebody who'd be the best yeah. person to speak yeah. to. Yeah. I would That's say great. the consultants, you know, they're pretty clued up. They, they should be able to answer, I would say, 90% of queries, questions. Uh-huh. But obviously, if anything that's maybe a little bit technical, then, of course, uh, speak to the finance team so, so, yep. or payroll team. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been, as I said, really useful. I'm sure you ladies have found that useful as well. And we really appreciate you coming on and being our very first guest on our Medics Pro podcast. So thank you. That's everything for this week. Obviously, it was a little bit shorter than usual, but we just wanted to tackle this one particular topic. We're looking forward to having some more special guests in the near future. But for now, have a lovely weekend. Take care, everybody. Please keep subscribing, keep recommending your friends. And we look forward to to speaking to you again in the next couple of weeks. Take care. Bye-bye.